Before we begin, quick content warning for rape on today's episode. I don't go into detail, but it's there. This is a popular popular podcast. Do not be afraid. Welcome to Popular History, a library of Catholic knowledge and insights brought to you daily. The historical stuff happens during the week plus a modern cardinal on Saturdays. Sundays, we'll take a little bit of a break by covering some related topic, often as part of a multi-part Sunday series. Today is a Sunday, and we're continuing our efforts to condense and summarize the classic long-form content of popular history, what's now the solemn high pod that we do on or near solemnities, into three to six minute chunks suitable for the new daily crowd. These summaries have about a tenth of the runtime of the originals, so if something really grabs your interest, feel free to pope on back to the original episode, it's linked in the show notes, for more in-depth analysis and a whole lot more tangents. Today, we'll be taking a briefer look at what we discussed back in Popular History episode 0.8, All Vias Lead to Italia. 0.8 was the first installment in our five-part Rome series, covering the legendary foundation of the city up to the cusp of the Punic Wars. So we'll be doing the same here, albeit in shorter form. As usual, I'll link to the original in the show notes, as well as the accompanying supplement on the Twelve Tables, the earliest form of Roman law. Romans generally saw themselves as descended from losers. Heroic and mighty losers, to be sure, but losers nonetheless. Specifically, the losers of the Trojan War, especially the Trojan prince Aeneas. In addition to being a loser, Aeneas was also a demigod, being a son of Aphrodite and a Trojan prince named Anchises. Troy was in what's now Turkey, but with the city destroyed after the war, Aeneas had to find a new home. As Odysseus will tell you, getting home after the Trojan War was no easy task, even when you had a home to go back to. But for Aeneas, his journey was made much easier with the help of the legendary Queen Dido of Carthage, who helped him immensely, and whom he abandoned abruptly, thus forming, in the eyes of the Romans, the enmity that will turn into the wars we'll be exploring next episode. After that, Aeneas made his way north, to Alba Longa, and settled in with the locals. Fast forward a few hundred years, and one of his descendants, a woman named Rhea Silvia, was raped by the god Mars ultimately giving birth to two sons, Romulus and Remus. The Roman historian Livy had his doubts about this story, which, I mean, fair. Anyways, Romulus and Remus wound up abandoned in the area that would become Rome. They were saved by the god of the river Tiber and raised by a she-wolf, hence the famous imagery. Fast forward through some drama and Romulus and Remus have set off to found their own polis with blackjack and hookers. Incidentally, the she-wolf I mentioned may have actually been slang for a prostitute rather than a literal female wolf. Either way, the city isn't called Reem, so yeah, things don't go well for Remus, and he ends up murdered by Romulus. The Romans really didn't always like to paint their own past favorably, though at key points they did reinforce their virtues and very likely cover up defeats, such as how they wound up with Etruscan kings on the throne, rather than descendants of Romulus. 
Either way, after Rome was founded with the help of recruiting a bunch of outlaw thugs and then stealing women, the Romans got tired of having kings after reported seven of them with suspiciously consistent and long reigns. They overthrew their final king, Tarquinius Superbus, in 509 BC. Oh, and I probably should have mentioned that the city of Rome was founded traditionally on April 21st, 753 BC. It's not like everyone agreed on that timing from our earliest sources, but things did solidify, and you'll get odd looks if you said the traditional date of the founding of the city was anything else at this point. Rome gradually expanded from the city, to the region, to the whole Italian peninsula, a process which was mostly complete by the start of the First Punic War, which incidentally was in 264 BC. It was not, however, always smooth sailing, even by Roman telling. In fact, the Romans very often liked to describe their own defeats, like I mentioned, usually to underscore the need for their sort of manly-slash-rustic virtues without which they would be doomed. For instance, Rome itself was famously sacked around 390 BC by the Gallic chieftain Brennus, who allegedly declared, Way Victus, or Woe to the Vanquished, adding his sword to further weigh the unbalanced scales of the demanded tribute when the Romans had noticed that the weights were unfair and pointed that out. For all my emphasis on losers and losing in this episode, Rome went on to do a lot of winning, as we'll see in our next Epitome episode next week. Though, don't worry, there are still plenty of losses to come as well. Thank you for listening. God bless you all. <laughs>